Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy uh, December. Happy December Lights Festival. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. I win. I was... Well, yeah, okay. All right. So, uh, happy holidays from your favorite uh, two white guys doing a podcast about sports. Yeah. It's a rare thing to find. Yeah. And uh, we're all too happy to, to provide that for you. Um, the, the Predators. Oh, yeah. I sh- sorry. I should mention. We, we are joined once again by a dog, but this is a different dog. Um, and she... Um, well, we're just going to see how it goes. Oh, there she goes. Right there she is. The microphone. She's a good dog. We're going to figure it out. Uh, so apologies once again for the uh, canine interruptions. But we're going to do our best to talk about the Predators. The worst team in the NHL. What? What? Not my words. <laughs> nor anyone's. <laughs> but but uh, regardless, not going uh, perhaps according to plan. Down in Smashville. Sixth place in the Central Division. Tenth place in the Western Conference. Uh, assuming those results hold through tonight. We are recording this on December 21st. So for all we know, you might get this in January. Okay. Who knows? Justin. Wow. Nice. Um, so George, are the predators a bad team? Yes or no? I mean, no. Yes or no? No. Okay. I don't, I don't think so. There's some qualifiers there. Thanks for listening. (laughs) That's the end of our podcast. Um, like, I mean, you were gracious enough to pull up the stats. They are, as we currently said, uh, 15th in expected goals for per 60 and 4th fewest, or so 4th best expected goals against per 60. So, you know, average offensively and one of the best teams in the league defensively, which, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, doesn't this kind of sound like the last two or three years that we've been seeing the Predators? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, and I'm sure that a lot of people will kind of roll their eyes at the whole... Nashville being a very good defensive team, I think a lot of the the discourse around the team is is how basically how many goals they're allowing and how badly how bad they look on defense. Um, I think that a few of us have kind of kicked around the idea that maybe that's not because of the defense the team's defense itself, um, and obviously, I mean, just from their expected goals against numbers, you would you would say that they're a pretty good defensive team. Um, I would, I would sort of put forth that their offense, which is based essentially on rush and point shots, point shots, that's, you're going to have a lot of basically speed coming back the other way when one of those two things inevitably does not work. So that's, you know, it's hard for the defense to get set. They're often playing in transition. The offense does a very poor job, at least from what I can see. Or I guess maybe a, a sort of an average job at actually setting up and cycling in the zone and maintaining possession, <clears throat> which has kind of been, other than their complete reliance on goaltending in the past few years, I think that one of the most concerning things about the team has been their, the, just they rely so much on rush attempts, um, and you kind of live and die by that sword if, if you run into a good goalie you're not going to win many games. And especially if you think about a playoff format, um, think about what Dallas did to Nashville last year. If, if you really have such a one-dimensional approach for a best-of-seven series, you're not going to win that series. Anyhow, um, goaltending. You want to share some goaltending yeah. numbers? They're bad. Yeah. Objectively. Uh, 
24th save percentage in the league, which is very surprising from, from Pecorine and from UC Soros. Uh, I, just from the eye test, I don't think that UC Soros has played like that poorly, but every once in a while he'll let in a soft one. I mean, Pecorino, objectively, has just looked very off. I mean, he looks like the goalie that relies on his athleticism rather than his positioning, which he has looked the opposite of over the last two years. It's kind of key regress back to 2015-16. Yeah, he sort of, like, bought a couple extra years with sort of revolutionizing his whole positioning strategy in that summer, and he's been in lights out for two seasons. But, yeah, this year it's just... I mean... We're talking about a very old goaltender at this point um, who has been pretty spectacular the past couple of years. And I would, we, I think you and I have cautioned against getting used to that because that's yeah. really not something you want to rely too heavily on. Saros, I think, who's pretty much taken over as the starter, I guess they're pretty, they're kind of going like a 50 50 thing now. Which is, which is fine. why, we, yeah, we've yeah, been good. wanting that for a while. So. I, I don't know. And this is another actual uh, point where the defense has been better than maybe I thought or, or a lot of people thought. Nashville's really not allowing many high-danger shots against, so the fact that their goaltending is is they're allowing so many goals is, is really an indictment of the goaltending. Um, I do think Saros has been improving. Rene, though, I don't. I don't think I think Rene is pretty much going to maintain this perform this level of performance. I would say for the rest of his starts. Um, yeah, because he can't exactly ask the defense to do anything much better. I mean, the Predators really are a low event team. Uh, last I checked, the Predators were still allowing more passes to the slot than they were creating, but that's only because they are only creating so few. Like unless they're playing one of the better teams. Generally speaking, they're they're only allowing like four or five passes to the slot a game. Yeah, at five on five, so that's eh, pretty good, all things considered. So the team is out of a playoff spot right now, and there's actually, in my opinion, a surprising amount of people discussing the fact that they may not make the playoffs. Because I just mm-hmm. to sort of assume, with this roster, it doesn't take much. I would say just kind of a, a week or two of really solid results, and they and they would be right back. In the in the uh, playoff picture, I think there's maybe only four or five points separating them from at least the wild card. Yeah, right now they sit with 38 points. Again, as we speak at 3:30 p.m. on Saturday, they sit with 38 points, which is three points back of Calgary, but they also have uh, three games in hand. So, you know, they, that's as long as they win one and get an overtime loss, which. I'm sure they can do. Yeah, they'll they'll be back in it. The bad news is that tonight they play the Boston Bruins, who are at and in Boston, who are very very good, possibly yeah. the best team this year, uh, and they are especially good at home. Yes, yeah, still I I just don't see this team missing the playoffs. Um, I think that that I mean if that happens, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't even know what the contingency plan is there. I mean that I think that takes all of these kind of hypothetical grumblings about coaching and GM and all that and and really puts them on the forefront if if this team fails to even make the playoffs. I before the season started, I think you and I both had Nashville maybe in the, I, in the wild card. I think third wild card. Yeah. yeah, that was 
<clears throat> and I still feel pretty good about that prediction. Um, I mean, if we take a look at the standings, St. Louis is currently first in, in the Central with 50 points with 36 games played. So, you know, 12 points up with only two more games played. That's probably not going to be catchable. Then you have Colorado with one more game played, but they have uh, they have nine points up on the Preds, which... That, oh my gosh, Colorado is so good. Yeah, that team is firing on all cylinders, even with a really objectively bad goaltender yeah. who's playing above his weight. Although... Having Kale McCarr and all I mean, all of those guys just makes it makes his job a lot easier. Yeah. The only team that might be catchable is probably Dallas in that third spot. They have three more games played and are only uh six points up. So, you know, if Nashville wins out, they're tied. So that could happen, but realistically speaking, it's probably gonna be a wild card or it's probably you know, wild card to the third spot. I don't see them yeah. getting into that top two, barring a major collapse. So the only thing that really I would say is a concern for Nashville and over the rest of the season. I mean, there are obviously things to improve, but as far as like statistical red flags, they basically, thanks to Nick Benino, they're still operating with the, the league's second highest five on five shooting percentage, which is just hilarious. I mean, yeah. If you told me like Forsberg and Arvidsson and all these other guys, like Duchesne were carrying the state or the shooting percentage, I'd, I'd yeah. understand a hundred percent, but I think Nick Benito's doing it is kind of hilarious. Yeah. So that concerns me because the team, a team being out of a playoff spot this far into the season with one of the best shooting percentages in the league, because you basically the issue there is you'd expect the shooting percentage to come down. And the Nationals is just going to be a team that allows a lot of goals and doesn't score that many. So, uh, although I don't think that they're, Defense is necessarily going to be an issue. I think that no, the no, goals no, I are given up. I, no, I'm I'm not saying it's because of the defense that they're going to allow a lot of goals, but their goaltending is not great. Um, and they if they're chasing a lot of games, uh, anyhow. I mean, I'm not oh. saying. Believe me, you anyone who's ever heard you and I talk knows that we're not saying don't worry about this team. Yeah, we're always we've basically been always saying that. Um, right now, the Predators currently have. 10 players that are shooting above uh, 10%. And that's, that's taking away Mika Salamaki, who's only played five games. Yeah. Like, even Ryan Johansson's kind of climbed up in there. Rocco Grimaldi's still shooting at like 12%. Arvidsson stayed at 11.76. Uh, Duchesne's at 11.63, which is surprising because he's not scored much recently, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, Yarn Croak's still shooting incredibly well. And even Trenton's at 10% or 11%. That's surprising. And it's good to see Calteris climb back. He's at 8.82. I think that's probably going to stay decently well. Yeah. But sweet Lord, like, I'm, I'm just going to look for, for, for the league and see how close, like, Nick Benino is to the very top. I know he's uh, very near the, the better in terms of points per – or, sorry, cost per point. Nick Benino is pretty much – one of the league's best right now. <laughs> God, it, that's something I really did not see coming. Even if he is taking like these great shots that are just right in front of the net. Yeah. Alrighty. If we take away, yeah, if we take away all the players that have only played like two or three games, Nick Benino is at the very top with twenty six point zero nine percent, followed by Brad Marchand with twenty five percent. Nice. And you know, I like Brad Marchand, but. I don't think I don't like him twenty five percent forever. Yeah. So um, 
basically, to summarize, pretty good team defensively, average team offensively, bad goaltending. But this is the same team we saw last year. Like, with bad goaltending. Yeah, with which which I always used to say, like, when the Predators get Vezina winning goaltending, or they're yeah. going to win games, but when they get average goaltending, they're all of a sudden just going to start dropping them. And now that they have bad goaltending, yeah. they're basically just trading games back and forth one-to-one. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I... I was told that the offense was fixed. Now they had Matthew Shane, but I guess that never really happened. No, the, uh, I mean, Nashville would be in bad shape right now if not for some depth players scoring way above their weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hey, obviously, like, one of the big talking points has been coach coaching. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? As a hockey coach yourself. As a, well, as a head coach. As a head hockey coach. <laughs> yeah. um, that's not good. I don't know how anyone looks at this and says it's good. I don't know yeah. how anyone looks and sees like Yakov Trenin on the first line and says, this is great. This is even with yeah. injuries. And I get Victor Arvidsson and Mikhail Granlund. Are, that's, those are tough injuries for sure. But, like, why not move Grimaldi up there? Why not move, I don't know, like Daniel Carr up there? Players that have shown to produce a little bit more. And again, I'm not a Daniel Carr fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I'd rather have him up there than Yakov Trenin, who, yeah. despite me liking his play a little bit, I understand that the very the very tip-top of his potential is probably on the third line. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't been super blown away by any of their call-ups. Yeah. Uh, Trenin, Trenin's fine. He's... He's big. He's okay. <laughs> He's like, got some speed. He's Austin Watson, but good. Right. And costs him much less. Right. Like, well, he's Austin Watson, but better. Yeah. Yeah. Good was maybe too strong of yeah. a term. I, I I apologize about that. No, but I agree with you. I I don't see... I mean, Watson... I don't want to necessarily pile on the guy, but Watson just had an awful year, and he's not... And that's, you know, for him. And he's not usually a very good player, so... Well, I mean, he just signed the, the, the two-year extension, so Listen, what, does he, what does he have to play for? I, yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, so not to put you on the spot too much, because it's one thing to say sit here and say the coaching's really bad and then point to the lineup, but what would you say are some adjustments that you think the team should be making on the ice? On the ice offensively? Well, so defensively, it's kind of hard to argue that things could... That things need to be better. Yeah. Um, I don't... I would probably leave that alone. Um, the only the only thing that I would probably talk about is uh, in transition play, where maybe don't just rely on Roman Yossi to actually exit the zone every time. Like, so Yossi is just Subban now. Yeah, he's... But now... Well, I mean, Yossi's always been Yossi, yeah. but now there's no Subban, so I just kind of like, ah, oh, I right. have to do this. Um, and again, the coach doesn't get new players so you know i can't just we can't just say turn dante fabro into a good puck mover because maybe that might not ever happen um but maybe you know hedge your bets a little bit don't have don't try so many stretch passes play a little deeper in your own zone on the on defense same thing i've kind of been talking about for two or three years now maybe bring some bring some of your players back you know tell arvison he can still jump the coop whenever he wants because that's how he's going to score his goals apparently uh, it's the only way he's going to score his goals, apparently. <laughs> but, you know, have some other guys like Craig Smith and uh, Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, guys come a little bit lower so that they can actually gain, you know, a full head of steam. Um, that said, also, just the offensive zone, like, 
just tell them if you po- if you pass to the point you're doing ten push-ups or like you're <laughs> you're fined a thousand dollars. Just like whatever you do, like only if you have to. Yeah. You know, we'll have we'll have a video coach just at the very end go say like go through the entire game and say, oh, he had to make the pass there. He was being pressured too heavily. <laughs> you know, we're gonna waive his fee. Yeah. But it's just you know, unless tell everyone that's not Roman Yossi on defense to not shoot because apparently everyone else doesn't actually feel comfortable enough to carry the puck more than five feet into the zone. Yeah. Yeah. I- the only thing that really just jumps out to me is the is again I'll say it for the hundredth time relying so much on rush attempts. You have guys like Craig Smith, you know when he's healthy. You have Victor Arvidsson. Forsberg's got a bit of that. Um, Forsberg obviously will excel if he has a bit of open ice and then can make a move on a defender. Although that hasn't been working for him this year. He's having for whatever reason he's not having as easy a time getting past the defender. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything to that, but that's I think that's contributed a lot to I mean, Johansson's line being weaker than it has been. I mean, Forsberg's also just a streaky player by nature. All scorers are. Yeah, so. it's it's so frustrating though with Forsberg though. Is I think when he is on a hot streak, there's just like you you put him up with the best players in the league, but he'll just disappear for weeks. Yeah, which is kind of I feel like that's been the majority turn, of this season. Turn kind of goony. <laughs> Sneak good, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's still been good. He's still doing a lot of good things, but he he definitely had some off games. The game against the uh, yeah, the game against the Islanders was one for sure. I don't think he had a single uh, play in transition. Like he didn't exit or enter with possession once, which is very weird. Usually he's like the best forward on the team in that regard. And I think too, if I'm remembering correctly, with using your um, high danger passing data, mm-hmm. he's he has he hasn't. Um, turned away a single opposing high danger pass this season. Yeah, but that's that's an interesting. That's mostly for defense and forwards. Yeah, I mean, but he's. I just. It's interesting because he's the only player on the team with zero, which I thought was interesting. But I mean, so that could that could be a number of different things too. That could be coaching. Just not that time. Like, listen, we need you to be more. We need you to be better offensively than defensively. Yeah. Like, don't come as low. Like, we'll we'll take the chances that we're giving up, and you know, just hang up, up high. But it it is that is statistically a little weird. Do you think? Out of, like, I don't know how many games I've tracked. Like, I think it's up to 25 now. 27. I'm 27. Really Thank you. Uh, yeah, out of the 27 games, it's a little surprising that I don't have one that he's that he's blocked. But, you know, that's life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Four weeks on cold. I mean, it looks like the entire offense goes cold for, for like, days at a time. Except for Nick Bedino. Yeah, who just can't stop scoring. Yeah. And I will say, you got to give credit to Craig Smith. He's... Usually he's only really good off the rush, but he's been pretty good in, uh, he's been pretty good in, uh, with, with possession of the puck. In yeah. my opinion, like he's, I think he's one of the better uh, puck battlers on the team. Last time I checked, he was he was up there. He fights a lot, but he he wins a lot too. Okay, so coaching is bad. We both agree on that. Right. Do you think it's time? Do you think it would benefit the team to get a new coach at this point in the season? I mean, it all depends on the coach you get, right? I would, I would probably say so. I just, I don't, I think you've seen all that you can see from Laviolette, and I just don't think there's enough there. Like, I think he's shown that he's not willing to make the adjustments necessary. And at this point, you don't want to waste the rest of this year. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, who do you. Who would you think to go out? Who would be your, your coach of your dreams? That's oh. So one thing that 
I thought was because to be honest, I don't like any of the available coaches from Ed who have like long NHL careers. Um, DeBoer maybe was the one I was most interested in, but I don't. I think that would improve the team offense, but only really bring it up to average, which honestly would be fantastic. Um, yeah. In term compared to how Laviolette's teams are historically. The one that interests me is another team that's sort of been struggling would be the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, yeah, if you get John Cooper. And if John Cooper, I mean, I wouldn't say that he's in a hot seat, although the playoff results, I think, from last year might still be lingering. A little bit of a hangover there. Yeah. So he would really be the only one if Cooper becomes available. I mean, other than... You know, there's a lot of teams in the league that I would like, but I don't think many of them are <laughs> struggling teams. Oh, sorry. I'd like to have uh, Quinville, but yeah, you know that's obviously not going to happen. Right. I'd like to have Bruce Cassidy, but that's not going to happen either. So. Yep. Um. So what about junior teams? I was I, I don't I will admit I don't know much about junior hockey coaches. I think you know a little bit more. I just looked at the standings to see some of the better teams and. I think Peterborough is doing quite well, and there he's I don't remember his name now, but he's not ever coached at the NHL level, to my knowledge. I mean, is that that's such a risk though? I feel like to go in the middle of a season, yeah, to a, a coach those, who's not established at the highest level. A lot of those junior guys don't like leaving in the middle of the season either. Yeah, just because they do have that that feeling of like finishing what you start. Right. Um, especially from a team that's doing really well, because if you win the Memorial Cup or even the OHL Championship, that's big. Then that'll that'll put your name in the halls forever. But yeah, I I don't know. I there's no one in the OHL or the Q or the the W that I'd really like that I'd go after. Um, the only per- person I'd really go for from the A would uh, would be the coach of the uh, of the Syracuse Crunch. Uh, I forget his name. His his kid just got drafted though. It's like Benoit Gruel or there's an X in there somewhere. I don't know how to, how to pronounce it. <laughs> oh, those Frenchies. Let's see if I can try it. If I can spell Syracuse correctly. <laughs> yeah, but like, cause that team has been good for a long time. Cause a lot of people might say like, Ooh, why not? What is it is Benoit Gruel? I would see? assume. I got it right. Yeah. Look at that. I'm great. Um. Just because that team's been very good for a while, and it's very clear that, like... He's doing something right. And also, you look at all the players that that are on Tampa Bay right now that played in the AHL. Yeah. That clearly shows that he knows what he's doing as far as prospect development. Yeah. Which, you know, the Predators don't have a ton of young guys, but maybe that might make the ease for guys like Eli Tolvin and, and like, Philip Tomasino and Afensiev, or... Can you offensive? Yeah. I don't know how you say his name. Afanasiev, I believe. Afanasiev, yeah. thank you. I'm, you know, I just don't trust those Russians. I don't know how to say their names. <laughs> Um, I like, you know, maybe that might make their transitions a little bit easier and that, that might be a good, that might be a good deal. Um, I just don't really like the guy from Milwaukee. I know they're going on an insane win streak right now, Yeah. but both their goalies have like 940 safe percentages. Like I don't necessarily know how much I trust that. And if you look at the, uh, the development of their prospects, I mean, who's the guy that, who's the last guy that's really come out of Milwaukee, like Forsberg? How long ago? Fiala. I mean, how? Yeah, yeah. I guess Fiala would probably be the last one, but he yeah. only played like a season there. Yeah. And although that, that, you know, that a season is a quite a while to to develop. I wonder though, how many other 
Predators fans might agree that Fiala was a good prospect to come. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, idiots. Sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> that's a, let's do my favorite my favorite pastime. Look up Kevin Check Fiala. Check how many points is Kevin Fiala <laughs> this season. Oh, man. Subban finally stopped a 21-game point streak, I believe. Good for him. <sighs> the Devils are a sad, Dude, sad existence at this point. Yeah. Even with... I mean, that team is like two or three like first overall prospects away from, from winning... Yeah, well, that team is bad. Although they just got a, bu- a whole bunch of nothing for Taylor Hall. That's so true. We can talk a about that later. A whole lot of nothing. A whole lot of cap space. Yeah. Who doesn't love cap space when you had Taylor Hall? That would be useful to re-sign Taylor exactly. Hall. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you could afford him now. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, or Kevin Fiala, 20 points in 31 games. Yeah. Not bad. That would put him in, I believe, between like 6th and 8th most on the Predators right yeah. now, I'm just saying. Meanwhile, he's not getting top... I think he's only getting, like, second-line minutes. Which, yeah. Tell you, man, a line of Forsberg, Fiala, and... Uh, Forsberg, Fiala, and Duchesne. The quickest line in hockey. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Great uh, in transition. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Matt Duchesne, I think you and I have brought him up a few times as maybe someone that we expected... Uh, people expected. You expected. I'm not saying... I didn't know what to expect from Matt Duchesne, I'll be honest, because I, I have such little faith in this offensive coaching staff in maintaining yeah. point production. The Laviolette tax. Exactly. It's, I would expect about a 20 to 30% drop in annual or season points when the team when a player comes to Nashville. I mean, so I did an article over the summer where I basically just said, like, hey, Matt Duchesne's a good player, but he's played the last season, you know, that I think point-per-game season he had, with Mark Stone and Artemi Panarin. Like, maybe, you know, give credit to Forsberg, but he's not either of those players. Right. Like, maybe just cool it for a little bit. And, you know, the first four games happened, and some people were very happy to rub it in my face. Right. But now he's on, as you have very well well done, uh, he's on pace for 57 points. Not good. 20 goals, 37 assists. Yeah, um... I feel like I think the argument you made when when they traded Subban for him was you the Predators traded a number one defenseman for a second line center. Yeah, well, the the hype or well, the the question that I asked myself and pretty much everyone that I talked to about the Subban trade was how how many points you would trade Subban for, or how many points should that guarantee? And I'm pretty sure sixty was the most people's consensus was that the return needs to be sixty points guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, we're right around there. But you don't want, I mean, so this is going to bite me in the ass for when we eventually talk about how good Johansson can be. Yeah. Because I don't think $8 million for 60 points is good enough. And I felt that way about Johansson. And I know there's other ways that they impact the game, but Duchesne's not, well, in previous seasons has not been as good as Johansson was on defense. Yeah. And his play in transition's good, but he's oftentimes losing a ton of battles and he's oftentimes not really getting the puck to the to the slot like I thought he would. He's taking a lot of shots from the slot, but that's mostly due to Forsberg just being really good at getting the puck there. Yeah. And it's a little bit worrying how Duchesne has looked so far. So you say that, and I thought that, but in terms of his 5-on-5 five five career, he's actually on pace for a pretty decent season huh. um, in terms of points. His shooting percentage right now is right around his career average. 
Um, although his, I think this is his second worst season in individual expected goals, uh, at least in, in yeah. per 60 he's, terms. And 5-on-5, five five, he's at 3.56 expected, and he has 5. Yeah. So he's currently out shooting a little bit, but not by a ton. Yeah. I thought I just would have liked him to have more than 43 shots in 33 games at 5-1-5. I thought he would be more like that. And out of his 16 points at 5-1-5, only 10 are, uh, are primary. He is, as advertised in transition, he's been, oh, he's a great I think team. aside from Roman Yossi, he's basically Nashville's best puck mover, um, moving between the zones. Yeah. He's pretty... Um, yeah, I'd put him there with Forsberg, but yeah, I agree. Like you said, he's... he's okay but not great in puck battles yeah it's just I mean all in all he's been a pretty good player but that's not what they needed yeah for that return you know um and I know Subban's season has been abysmal and you can you can certainly argue that he's just on the decline and that's it and that's fine I mean that's a fair argument to say that they timed his departure perfectly Mm. but unless they knew something about his health or yeah how he was feeling about, I don't know, anything. If they knew exactly what we all knew, which I think they probably did, then they should have um, they should have hoped for more, I think, from Duchesne. Yeah, and I still think they could have gotten more. for. I mean, that, that's what it really comes down to. I think they could have gotten more for Subban, but yeah. that's that's life. That's Sometimes you win trades, sometimes you lose trades. Sometimes yeah. the Devils win them, sometimes they lose them. Uh, speaking of the Devils and just the league in general, it's been a I think Taylor Hall certainly dominated headlines. Um, I think he had an assist in his first game with the Coyotes. He has three points in two games. Like he's, yeah. he's been good. Yeah. Um, do you think that he wanted to go to Arizona? Supposedly, like that, the rumor I heard was that he had gone to like Arizona and Colorado. So you you know the the two games that they played, yeah, yeah, Colorado, yeah. Arizona. And he like he went there early and then like stayed over. In both cities, just to kind of, like, see what it was about. Yeah. And, I mean, personally, I probably would have gone to Colorado. Uh, oh, I would I would do a lot to join that team right now. Yeah, there's um, not much I wouldn't give. Talk about Matt Duchesne <laughs> and leaving at the wrong time. Yeah, um, yeah Colorado yeah. right now is second in the Central, uh, three points behind St. Louis, who is uh, – St. Louis has been – Quietly, very good. I would say again. Yeah. Uh, the Coyotes even without Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah. That's nuts. Which is kind of terrifying. Well, uh, and you think about it, they get Taylor Hall, and all of a sudden they get Tarasenko back, and you're like, uh oh, that's yeah. a that's a juggernaut right there. Yeah. Uh, so Arizona is leading the Pacific Division this year. Yeah. Well, tied for the lead at least, but one fewer game played than Vegas. Yeah, but Vegas has been good recently. I mean, yeah. you look, Coyotes are five and five in their last ten. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Golden Knights are six two and two, and they're starting to like they start off the season bad. I mean, like, as bad as the Sharks bad. And they've, surprise, figured it out. Yep. You know, you can't keep Jargon and those guys down, especially when you have, like, that first line of Max Pacioretty, uh, Mark Stone, and I can't even remember who their center is. I think it might actually be uh, Peter, St- or not Peter, uh, Paul Stadsny. Yeah. It's just nuts. That, Vegas is one of those teams that all all seek out their games. Yeah. Um, Colorado, uh, Carolina, those are the teams that I... I yeah. feel like you have to watch them. That Carolina team is still so good. Oh, my that, God, that defense is nuts. They have the, Jake Gardner on their third pair. Yeah. That's just, that's insane to me. Their game against Colorado the other night was the best game I've seen in a very yeah. long time. It was a, it was zero zero for a long time. Carolina ends up going down late and then winning three to one. Yeah. 
Jacob Slavin, baby. Awesome game, dude. Um, so Jacob Slavin's going to get Norris one day, and I'm going to be here saying, telling everyone that I told you so. Yeah. No, he's been great this year. Uh, Carolina. Every year. Been, yeah, fair. No, yeah, no. fair. Um, it like, sounds like they got their goalie in Peter Mrazek, too, which is nice. You like to see a guy bounce back. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I think the only time I'd seen him play well previously was against Nashville. Uh, yeah, he had a he had a couple playoff series against Tampa yeah. back when the Red Wings were like barely holding on to that streak. Yeah. But yeah, that guy is... Yeah, good to see him do well. I'm happy for him. Uh, teams that are looking for maybe draft pick, draft order this time of year, what do we think about Ottawa paying more for benched players than playing players? <laughs> But, Michael, they're about to go on a unparalleled streak of, of dominance in the next three years, I think. They better. What was it? They better. I, I forget what the Melnick quote exactly oh, was. Oh, I wish. But, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, that was fantastic. I I guess I think that I like Mark Borowitzki like, yeah. the most out of any player off the ice. He's going around talking about environmentalism and about, like, not destroying the planet, and which is cool. Stopping stopping crimes. <laughs> yeah, which... Apparently, people took that as a bad thing and talking about how players are now cops, too, which, you know, I don't know. Just, uh, I don't know. Um, we'll leave that one. <laughs> yeah. But even he had a quote today where he's talking about, like, I don't think I'm going to fight as much anymore because I'm not going to, you know, I don't have a contract for next year and I should, probably shouldn't, you know, take myself out of the game. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Brilliant. A like, brain. Attaboy. Incredible. So, yeah, even though he's not a good player and I don't <laughs> want him anywhere near the Predators or the Sharks, like, yeah, good for him. I hope he gets his money somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Detroit, when is the skid going to end for Dude, Detroit? Detroit's like historically bad. Like they're worse than the, uh, than the Colorado Avalanche were uh, yes. a couple seasons ago. That's nuts. And I guess, I mean, their roster, like they're, they're still not in good shape cap wise. Yeah. And well, they're, they're just on the year basically, for two years now for like yeah. full salary. And they basically started rebuilding. Like this is their third rebuilding year, I mean, arguably. Holland basically just... <gasps> Dropped a dropped a grenade into the into that cap situation, and was like, "All right, going to Edmonton." Yeah. And honestly, I think I respect him more for it. I the one thing I love in this world is teams tanking, but I think the thing I love most, I think the thing I love most about teams tanking is teams tanking without knowing that they're going to be. Because like everyone, it's always fun to point and laugh at the Miami Dolphins and say like, "Oh, look at them trying to lose." But it's another thing to watch like the Cincinnati Bengals just be so bad without knowing they were going to be that bad. I'm sure they thought they were going to be mediocre. I'm sure the Red Wings did too. But they had no idea they were going to be worse than like the Buffalo Sabres from the McDavid year. Well, that's the, I think the interesting thing about New Jersey, right, is that I was so impressed with their offseason. And I'm sure they were feeling quite good about their offseason now to be where they are. <laughs> hey, if only they had like a first overall player on their team, yeah. you know, maybe they would turn it around. One of my favorite. This might just be me griping. One of my favorite things about this whole New Jersey debacle was when they had that really good offseason. Everyone's like, oh, it's the Matt Cain led uh, New yeah, Jersey right, Devils. And right. now they're doing poorly. Like, oh, look at what Dello did to that team. <laughs> like, I'm no Dello fan, but that's just a little That's a little funny. Um, Chicago. Chicago's bad. I mean, we knew they were going to be bad. Yeah. I, we say this every episode. Like, like just let them be bad. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, I, you you say that you know the NHL is better with when the Blackhawks are good. I mean the NHL it, it's the thing with professional wrestling. It's better when there's a villain. You get, like you need a, you need a big bully to go around and eventually lose. And yeah, you know the Predators got to do it. Good for them. Uh, Los Angeles. 
thoughts? Yeah, they're gonna be bad. I yeah. mean, I I think they actually they had a really good draft. I thought they they have a lot of good players coming in the next few years, but I mean, Kopitar and Dowdy are now on the wrong side of like twenty nine. Oh yeah, and like the rest of that team is bad. The, the one player I can't talk about is fine, but he's too old to really be in to be to make an impact. I don't I don't know. I there's no one on that team that I'd be like willing to get besides. Kopitar and Dowdy, and even then with that with those cap hits, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, I mean, that's a no for Dowdy for me. Even Ilya Kolchak is to, like, he's bad now. Like, yeah. he's really bad. Uh, I don't, I don't even know if he's worth like a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar deal. <laughs> like, yeah, they might just send him back to St. Petersburg or wherever he came from. <laughs> I think that's the team we played for. Not being racist, <laughs> it's the team. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Can't trust those Russians, man. All right, we have uh, an interesting question posed by Coach Barry V, I assume. The Coach Barry. The Coach Barry V. Not many coaches, no, not many coaches, Coach Barry's out there anymore. <laughs> I had a Coach Barry, baseball really? coach, yeah. Do you think it was this Coach Barry? No. Darn. Although that's interesting, I've never even thought about that, but I'm pretty sure it's wow. a different sport. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, I'm sure the people who ask us these questions love when we then speculate for like 20 minutes about their lives. Yeah. What do you think he does for a living? Guessing <laughs> <laughs> he's a coach. Yeah. Oh, good for him. Uh, he he poses the question of Shane Gosses Barrett, uh, Philadelphia left-handed defenseman, as a potential trade target. I there are a number of reasons I don't like that for Nashville. Although Gosses Barrett is a pretty good player, he's having kind of a down year uh, compared to his last few in terms of kind of expected goals and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Still, like, the team, Philadelphia gets quite a bit worse with him on the ice if you buy into the, the player isolate kind of stuff, um, which is a bit tricky, but... And we've all said it. We all know that it has certain holes. Yeah. So basically what you're getting is, I would say, a top four on most teams, top four defenseman, but not really a needle mover. Cool. So let's think. What do you? What do you? When you bring Gus Sparrow, what do you want him to do? Well, that's the other. That's. I mean, the main point for why I don't like this move is that Nashville is playing well defensively, and maybe you could argue that bolstering. I mean, I don't think Fabro's going to move, so you're basically going to be bolstering your bottom pair. Like I don't like Fabro all that much. I think he needs more time on the third pair to really be good. And to, you know, kind of, I think pairing him with Ekholm is a little bit of a mistake. Not that Ekholm and him aren't a good pair, but, you know, throwing him into top four minutes is a lot, especially for a 21-year-old guy to do. Um, so you'd want Gossibear to step in there, but he really hasn't proved that he's all that, that you know, that he can do it this season. I, mean, I know we have three seasons worth of stuff to talk about of him being good, but, man, he's just been bad. His, like... Even then, his his raw numbers look decent. Like his course, he's above average. His uh, shots for or shot share isn't too bad. His goal share is just about fifty. It's really that expected goals percentage that's just brutal. Forty three point nine two percent. Yep. Um, and as we know, the Predators cannot afford to give up chances this year because their goaltending will not bail them out. Although yeah. a, Philly, a Philadelphia defenseman would be quite used to that. So. <laughs> True. I mean, yeah, I don't. I I like Gosper. I think he's gonna be fine. I think his cap hit of four point five million dollars until twenty twenty three is okay. And 
I'll be honest, you probably don't expect him to make it that far. You probably leave him as trade bait for Seattle or, you know, uh, expansion bait. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. I just don't think Nashville is a player away anymore. And it's definitely not a defenseman away. Right. So, and, and the two, <clears throat> in the same question, the two players mentioned as trade would be Yarncroak or Turris. Um, I, I think Turris would be an overpayment if it was one for one. Yeah. I mean, you do get some cap relief in the process, but even then, I don't, I think, I think Turris is playing well this year. Yeah, which I think a lot of people are still a bit um, cautious because of last year, and they're thinking that maybe this Kyle Turris is not the usual and that we should trade him high. Well, I mean, what are we supposed to believe? The like, eight-plus years he was in the league where he was good or the last year yeah. where he was bad? When I he mean, was, the sample sizes are just so similar. <laughs> and he was likely injured as well. Yeah. I mean, wasn't it like confirmed he was injured? Or was that, was that always just kind of... He definitely missed some game. I mean, I had a lot of games with, I think, a broken ankle, and then he just never was good after that. So my assumption is that he was hurt the whole time um, or just kind of partially healed. So, yeah, I would say tur- this this season's tourist is probably more what you'd expect on in any given season from him. So I don't see that. I mean, I understand why people would think, oh, he's, you know, he's performing well now, move him get a pretty good return. I mean, that makes sense, but... But then they scoff at you and you suggest the same for Benino. Even though Benino <laughs> stats are much less, like, if be- I repeatable. Mean, while I agree with you, if Benino leaves, this team is not scoring anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree. Benino is, should be, like, actively on the market. Yeah. Um, if you could get... If you could get his contract off the books and, and a decent return, I think you absolutely should do that. Although, I mean, I, I promise I'm not just trying to disparage. Like, he has been a great player this yeah, year his, all around. His numbers are very good. It's it's impossible to deny. I think he's bad at zone transitions, but as we know, he just, battles. As we know, he just yeah. goes and plants in front of the net, and he's scoring buttloads of goals, and that's fine. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do think that if there's a player that you're trying to sell high on right now, it's got to be Nick Benino. Uh The other player there, for perhaps for Goss Sparrow, is Cal Yarncroke. Yarncroke, I would say, is... This is not typical for him, at least the point production. But no. I don't think that he's... I mean, the reason he's successful right now is is speed, I think. is he, he just can get quickly into dangerous areas. And he's got a pretty good shot as well. So I just don't see why you would lose try to lose something like that for a another defenseman. I mean, we keep talking about, like... You know, the Predators need more offense. They're good defensively. They just need to keep scoring goals. So why are we? Why would we talk yeah, about trading yeah. away the players that are actively contributing to them? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I like Ghost Bear. I think he'd look good on the Predators. I just don't see the necessity. I think yeah. going after Taylor Hall was a much more prudent move. But as you know, the Predators could not bear to part with any player of talent like Kevin Ball. or. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's... It's just so brutal. reminiscent of the Subban trade, where it's just like you just get rid of the player because you have really no other. I mean, well, the Predators had options, but the, the Devils just didn't have a choice. Yeah, they couldn't afford to lose. Well, I don't know. I mean, they got what did they get? A they got a first and a third. Those third. are the things of value, and even then the third round pick is like, eh. yeah, I, but like Kevin certainly Ball, better than him walking. Yeah, Kevin Ball is a player that like not many people have like 
I don't know. There's no one in there that really people are like high on. Like Nick Merkley was once a first round pick, but now he's like he's an often injured player that can't even play games in the AHL because he's too injured all the time. Um, yeah, I I don't know, man. That I I'm usually a fan of not waiting till the trade deadline because I generally speaking the rule is like the more days you the more a player's worth is because or you, if you trade a player earlier in the season, he's worth more just because he has more time on your team. You yeah, know, he's going to play 60 yeah. games instead of just 20. But teams can get desperate. And if you don't find the team that you want, maybe that player is going to be on, you know, maybe that, that team is going to need that player. You know, there's going to be another Vladimir Tarasenko injury somewhere else. And some crazy team that's on the bubble is going to say, you know what, screw it. We'll trade yeah. our, we'll give you, we'll sell the farm for this guy, even if he doesn't resign. Now, honestly, do you, do we think that there was going to be, like, there wasn't going to be an, a similar deal at the trade deadline to this? No, absolutely not. I, feel I mean, at least they could have gotten at least what they got here. There's really no way Hall was going to resign in Jersey, so you you can't let him walk. Yeah. Um. Oh, news. Yeah, Victor Arson has been activated. Yeah, good for him. Um. Would Taylor Hall? Here's a fun question. Would Taylor Hall have been the best player in Predators history? Probably. I mean, has any other player ever come close to winning an MVP? I would say maybe yes, Green A. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, but like, best I, skater I like to, yeah, I like to, it's hard to compare goaltenders and, and skaters. I don't know. I, I'd probably say so. I think, I think he'd probably be the best player. And even though, like, he's having a down year right now, but it's only because he's shooting like 30%. And expect, I'll get, I'll actually get his stats because I'm, last time I looked was a bit ago. Yeah, it's, it is funny that he was like, I mean, obviously, like, so hyped up as this trade target, but he's actually having a very bad year. Although I think it's also safe to say that, like, you know, the team around him is total shit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the doubles are tragic. Taylor Hall, two points in two games, baby, at five on five, two primary assists. Wow. Look at that. It's a regular Ryan Johansson over there. <laughs> Six individual. I'm sorry, four individual scoring chances in two games. It's sounds like Taylor Hall. Yeah, he's a good player. Let's see. Let's see his yeah his in two games fifty five Corsi, uh, yeah bad shot percentage that's surprising, fifty percent goal percentage, fifty six percent or almost close to fifty fifty seven percent expected goal percentage, pretty good. So his his high danger chance percentage jumped almost ten percent. Yeah, or sorry no, yeah yeah ten yeah. percent basically. Holy smokes. I mean, yeah, he had a 97.8% PDO. Yeah. It, that's yeah. his, Devils are not in good shape. Yeah. Let's see what his... What was his... Uh, he had a 4.41% shooting percentage. And yeah. Yeah, that, there's no way that was going to stay. Right. Yeah, Arizona's going to be fun to watch now. Yeah. Maybe I mean, Arizona should move up to that must-watch status. I think they should. Him and Phil Kessel have been really good together. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it's not terribly surprising. Yeah, <clears throat> I do love that a player like Taylor... I mean, I don't know that he wanted to go there. That's just speculation. But mm-hmm. I do love that a player like Taylor Hall would want to go to a team like Arizona. Yeah, that, that's, that is fun. That's I like to see that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe eventually free agents will want to come to Nashville. Imagine that. I mean, besides Matthew Shane. Yeah, exactly. Aside from the one exception in like the team's history, the one free agent that did want to come to Nashville. And who wouldn't with this coaching stuff? Yeah, I mean... Come to a team where you'll have to play in the rush, and you're 
point production will drop about thirty percent. I mean, he's already he's made his money. Like this, yeah. It's All not right. like he's signing like a one year deal. He, he's he's getting that money. He's yeah. fine. Um, but the fans are you know probably probably somewhat fun to play in front of the fans. Although I think that's way overblown. I don't think that would really make a huge difference for a player. Yeah. Anyhow, all right, let's get out of here before yeah. this dog uh, loses its mind. Where can we find you online? Uh, hashtag online. Hashtag online. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at GeorgeM1019. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, sometimes I'll post my stats, sometimes I won't. I like to keep people in suspense. Thinking about opening up a Patreon for, for my stuff. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WadeM117. WadeM. And you, of course, are listening to Between the Fangs Podcast, a product of Penalty Box Radio. I feel like that was unintentionally a pretty good Justin Bradford. I think that was, too. Yeah. You nailed that one, buddy. Uh, Anyway, thanks, Justin. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We will uh, talk to you after the holidays. See you soon, guys.